0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Life Church in Perry, Georgia. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in. This is Pastor Tim McLaughlin, lead pastor here at Life Church in Perry, Georgia. We're so excited that you joined our podcast. I hope uh, we've got some new listeners and hope those that have been listening are enjoying it. We have been doing an expository teaching on the book of Romans. Today we're going to get into... Romans Chapter Five, so, if you have your Bibles, grab uh, romans chapter five let 's go there if you 're driving down the road like I often do and listening to podcasts, maybe you can 't grab a hold of your Bible. Well, you just you listen i 'll read, and uh, hopefully uh, my prayer is is that uh, it blesses you 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 gain knowledge that 's the whole premise behind everything we do here at Life Church. I truly believe. Uh, the discipleship is the key and, and why do I believe discipleship is the key because that's what Jesus told us to do the Great Commission he said go into the world and make disciples I believe that one of the reasons the church in the United States is struggling the way that it is nowadays is because we're not making disciples we get so uh, we, we think we got to make converts we get people praying prayers but then we're not, uh, we're, we're not building them up, we're not educating them, we're not uh, discipling them so that when trials and tribulations come, when hard times hit, that they can stand against these things and, and uh, disciples of Christ can do that. When you've got the Word of God in your heart and you, you understand the promises of God, the Bible says that the, the, the Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path and it will direct us in everything that we do. All right, enough of that. Let's get into Romans chapter 5. Today we're going to try to cover verses 1 through 11. And as we begin chapter 5, we need to keep in mind that the Apostle Paul is not writing a theological textbook. Uh, Even though at times it seems that way, there is a definite order to the letter that Paul is writing to the church in Rome. There is a progression of thought and serious theological content throughout this letter paul's purpose for writing is very apparent chapter by chapter he wants to proclaim the grace of god in christ jesus now when i say chapter by chapter i'm talking about the way that our bible is formatted right now with chapter and verse remember paul is writing this this is a letter that he's writing to a church at rome there's no chapters and verses so page by page as paul is writing this Uh, His whole purpose is to proclaim the grace of God through and in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Apostle Paul spent many years as a student studying the Old Covenant. Now he has discovered what life is like under the New Covenant, under the Gospel, under a life lived for Christ Jesus. Paul's faith in the truth he presents is grounded in Scripture and in spiritual reality in chapter 5 we will look at practical benefits of the gospel all right practical benefits of the gospel Uh, the apostle paul carries his case for justification forward another step by taking up the question what are the blessings of justification in the believer's life now if you've been following along in this Uh, whether it's the podcast or you've been coming on our Wednesday night Bible studies and listening to this live I've been referring often to as the way Paul is teaching this is in the way of being in a courtroom and and defending the gospel he's defending the gospel to those that are in the church in Rome both Jews and Gentiles alike so in this chapter 5 he continues on with that as he carries on the case for justification He answers his own question, what are the blessings of justification in a believer's life? He answers this in, in a resounding detail that yes, there are blessings. And we're going to look at seven major blessings that every believer possesses. Seven major blessings that every believer possesses. The blessings flow to the believer through Christ Jesus. As the mediator between God and man, Jesus uh he's he's the one that's giving us all of these gifts They're, they're all channeled through him from god however paul doesn't present a glorified view of the christian walk uh quite the opposite i think so many times we we forget that and we don't understand that and again that's part of that discipleship making process is that people think well if i get saved then all my problems go away God never promised us that. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trials and tribulations. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials and tribulations, James says. So we understand that in this life, even serving Christ, there are going to be obstacles. There's going to be trials and tribulations In these things so Paul writing this letter to the Romans he doesn't say hey listen let me just tell you uh, you've made Jesus Lord of your life (laughs) all your problems are gone no Paul knows better this church is in the middle of Rome it's in the metropolis of the Roman Empire and yet Christians are being persecuted left and right Paul shares with us the influences of the world the influences of the flesh And the influences of the demonic, and how we must face each one in Christ's grace and power. The only way that we can overcome the world, our flesh, and the demonic is through the grace of God in His power. So let's begin. Verse chapter 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 5. Verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. As I've heard many of my seminary professors say, when you see the word therefore, ask yourself, what is the word therefore? Paul's therefore right here in verse number one of Romans 5, serves to remind us of the journey that we have just made through the first four chapters where Paul mapped out God's road to freedom from sin and the gift of righteousness through faith for the sinner. Now he proceeds on the assumption that his readers, those that are in Rome reading this letter, have an understanding of the justification by faith and indeed that this justification is a reality in his life as well in the lives of his readers. This first blessing, we talked about, again, we're going to cover seven blessings. The first blessing enjoyed by those who have been justified by faith is peace. Paul says peace with God through Jesus Christ. Washed continually in grace, no longer are we God's enemies. We are God's friends, just like Abraham. No longer should we fear the wrath of God, but we should look forward, we should look for the blessings of God. Okay? Now, that's not to say we don't fear God, we don't honor God, we don't respect God, we don't understand uh, the, 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 the reverence of God, but we don't fear Him in the way that we would fear maybe things on the earth. We, we understand that we can look forward to the blessings of God. The second blessing that we need to look at is that we enjoy access into the indescribable position of favor with God, we we enjoy access. Uh, I I preached a message several years ago using uh, Queen Esther as my example. That that back in those times, you cannot just walk into the inner chamber uh, where the king sits unless you are first summoned. God summons us into the inner court so we can come into Him and be present. We can come into our prayer chamber. We can come into that place and bow down before God because we have gained access through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. We are accepted. Because of this access, we are as near and as dear to God as His own beloved Son. The Father extends the golden scepter to us and welcomes us as sons and daughters, not strangers. As if that weren't enough, thirdly, the third blessing is we also rejoice in hope. This means that we joyfully look forward to the time when we will not only gaze at the splendor of God, but will ourselves be manifested in that glory. You know, right now we get to look at the splendor of God. We get to we 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 can look into the heavens and we can see all that God created. There's going to come a time where we're going to stand in the heavens. We're going to stand in the new Jerusalem. We're going to be with him for eternity and gaze upon the glory of God, singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This is our hope, our confident expectation. Jesus said in John 17:22, And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. This is the the prayer, John 17, where Jesus prays. He prays for himself. He prays for his disciples. Then he prays for the rest of us, the world. And he says uh, for those that are in the world, those that have made Jesus Lord of their lives, that the glory which... Uh, God gave to him he has now given to us that just as Jesus and God the Father are one he desires for us to be one also we will never comprehend the full significance of this hope here on earth nor will we ever uh, get over the wonder of it throughout all eternity let me say that again we will never comprehend the full significance of this hope this confident expectation here on earth nor will we ever get over the wonder of it throughout all eternity throughout all eternity we're going to get to experience this this glory of god romans 5 verse 3 it says and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. <coughs> Excuse me, the fourth blessing that flows from justification is that we also glory in tribulations, not so much in their present discomforts as in their eventual results. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says, Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is one of those uh, delightful paradoxes of the Christian faith, that joy can coexist with affliction. Now, I was watching this video, and for those that are going to be have been here on Wednesday nights, they will get to see this video that you can find on YouTube. But uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, um, at 17 years old, dove into a lake and hit a rock, and and she has been a, a a paraplegic all of her life and Joni goes through in this interview and she talks about you know she didn't know if she could live like this but she cried out to God and and through this God began to show her some things that 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 she has now experienced that even though even though she had to experience these trials even though she had to experience this Pain uh, and this 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 terrible uh, handicap that she has is going to live with. She understood that her her joy and her confidence and her love and that was all in Christ, not in the condition of her earthly body. See, you need to understand this. The opposite of joy is sin, not suffering. Okay, the opposite of joy is sin. You can be in joy you can you can be in the joy of the lord even in your present sufferings here on earth essentially paul says that we rejoice in our sufferings notice that he doesn't say that we rejoice at our sufferings we don't like to suffer and, and we shouldn't nobody should what paul is saying is that now our sufferings have meaning and purpose our sufferings are leading us somewhere just like with Johnny Erickson Tata, her, her suffering has, has given way to a testimony. And for for over 30 years, she has shared that testimony. She has shared her love for God and God's love for her. And she has shared her testimony with many others that may have been born with certain um, handicaps uh, or, or those that have suffered accidents like herself or whatever the case may be. See, one of the byproducts of tribulation is that it produces perseverance or steadfastness. See, our our sufferings are leading us somewhere, and that is a testimony to others. We could never develop perseverance if our lives were completely free from trouble. Perseverance is the ability to continue onward in the face of hard times. If we are persevering people, we don't give up. We push forward. Verse 4, Romans 5 verse 4 says, And perseverance character and character hope. Paul then says perseverance produces character. By facing trials and working through them, God is molding us into better people. We give up bad habits, for example, and replace them with good ones. When God sees us bearing up under our trials and looking to Him to work out His purpose through them, He awards us His good endurance seal of approval. Listen here on earth you know we we try to do things to receive uh ribbons and trophies and accolades but listen when we when we give our lives over to god when we surrender all to him and we learn to bear under these trials looking to him in every situation god says listen i'm going to give you the greatest prize ever the, the good endurance seal of approval because you have fought the good fight you have finished your course he said he said in matthew 24 he who endures to the end shall be saved we have been tested and we have been approved and this sense of his approval fills us with hope This sense of his approval fills us with this confident expectation we know God is working in our lives developing our character and this should give us confidence Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 Paul says being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ we can find confidence knowing that God that began a good work in us will see that work completed until the day of Jesus Christ verse number five now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us if we were to hope for something but then later find out that we were never going to get it, our hope would be put to shame or, or we would be greatly disappointed. But the hope of our salvation will never be put to shame. We will never be disappointed or find that we have rested on a false confidence. How can we be sure of this? Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts. The love of God could either mean our love for God or it could mean His love for us. In this particular case, Paul's talking about God's love for us. And we're going to see that as we continue to go through this in chapter 5 because verses 6 through 20, we'll, we'll, we will begin to see some of the greatest proofs of God's love for us. When we look back on the process through which God has brought us and realize that we are still in the process, We have a firm basis for hope. When I look back and I see where I once was and all that God brought me through and all the times that I should have died and all the times that that, that I should not be sitting here as an ordained minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I should not be pastoring a church in Perry, Georgia. I should be in jail or I should be dead, but I see what God has done. That helps me as I continue to go through this process understanding that things are not always going to go the way I want, but I have this personality Perseverance and I have this hope to continue on in Christ Jesus. We know that just as He brought us through trials of the past, He will bring us through trials of the future, and this will continue because He loves us until the very end when we will enjoy His presence forever. So how was this love poured out? It was poured out through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The moment that we believe, the moment we confess that Jesus is Lord of our lives, He floods our heart with this expression of God's eternal love and by these expressions we are assured that he will see us safely home to heaven if we will continue to keep our eyes on him if we will continue to, to go to him regularly and spend time with him regularly he will see us through every trial and tribulation until we are safely in his presence after you receive the holy spirit you will sense that god loves you you will you will have this sense this greater sense this is not a vague mystic feeling that somebody up and up there cares about humanity but but it will be a deep-seated conviction that a personal god a living creator really loves you as an individual if anyone if anyone has ever understood about God's love in the midst of suffering and trials, it would have been the Apostle Paul himself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 20, verses 23 through 29, Paul recounts his testimony. And you can go and read this in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three 23 through 29. But Paul goes on and as he's recounting his testimony, he says, five times he received 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. He spent a night and a day in the open sea. He was constantly on the move. He lived in constant danger from rivers, from bandits, from countrymen, from Gentiles. He was in danger in the city. He was in danger in the country. He was in danger in the sea. He went without sleep for several days and without food also. He has been cold and he has been naked. But his hope was always in Christ. In verses 6 through 20, Paul argues from the lesser to the greater. His logic is that if God's love went out of us, went out to us rather, when we were this ungodly sinner, his, his enemies, will he not much more pre- preserve us now that we belong to him listen if he loved us so much that he gave jesus for us when we were ungodly sinners how much more will he preserve us today now that we've already made him lord of our lives verses 6 through 7 says for when we were still without strength in due time christ died for the ungodly for scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die this brings us to the fifth blessing of our justification which is we are eternally secure in christ we are eternally secure in christ we are reminded that we are weak helpless without strength and unable to save ourselves but at the predetermined time the lord jesus christ visited our planet and died for mankind he did not die for good men as some suppose but He died for the ungodly. There was no virtue, there was no excellence in us to commend us to God. We were utterly unworthy, but Christ died for us anyway. Verse 8 says, but God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The love of God is completely supernatural and otherworldly. God demonstrated His marvelous love toward us by sending His beloved Son to die for us while we were still sinners. If we ask why He did it, we must look for the answer in the sovereign will of God Himself. There was no good in us to call forth such love from us, but the love was from Him. John 10 says, The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. The word abundantly is the word paresseo, which means over and above, more than is nef- necessary, super added. Paul uses this more than necessary phrase to establish a theme in which he will begin to introduce five much mores five much mores verse 9 he says much more then having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him the first much more is much more deliverance from wrath now a a new set of conditions exist we are no longer reckoned as guilty sinners at the enormous cost of the Savior's blood shed for us at Calvary, we have been counted righteous by God. Since we, since He, rather, since He, since Jesus, went to such tremendous cost to justify us when we were sinners, will He not much more save us from wrath through Christ? If He has already paid the greatest price to bring us into His favor, isn't it likely that he would also allow us, do you think he would allow us to perish after he's done so much? Do do you think, think about this, God ransomed heaven through his son Jesus, God incarnate, suffered and died, bled, was beaten, was humiliated for you and I. Do you think that God would now give up on us and allow us to perish? No. No. He desires us to, to, have, to be delivered from this wrath. Verse 10 says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his faith. The next much more is the much more of preservation by Jesus's resurrected life preservation. Going back to what we were and what we are now, think of it this way. It was when we were enemies that we were reconciled to God through the death of Jesus. We were hostile towards the Lord and quite content to to have it left that way. If if we were left to ourselves and, and we felt no need to be reconciled to God, We were his enemies, but God didn't share the same attitude. He intervened in a display of pure grace. The substitutionary death of Christ removed the cause of our hostility toward God, namely our sins. By faith in Christ, we have been reconciled to God. If we were reconciled through the death of his son, which is a symbol of utter weakness, Shall we not be preserved to the end by the present life of Christ at the right hand of God, a life of infinite power, understand he's not dead the tomb is empty jesus is alive he's seating at the right hand of god the father if at his death on the cross he said it is finished and in his the power of that statement rent the veil in the temple from top to bottom and in his death he went to hell and he took the keys to death hell, in the grave then upon his resurrection he poured out his spirit upon us then how much more power does he have as he sits at the right hand of of god interceding for you and i verse 11 it says and not only that but we also rejoice in god through our lord jesus christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation the sixth blessing of justification is that we rejoice in god through our lord jesus christ we not only rejoice in his gifts But in the giver himself, before we were saved, we found our joys elsewhere. Now we rejoice when we remember him and we're sad when we forget him. Listen, I think about times where I get busy and things happen and and I may forget to pray or forget to read my Bible. That doesn't happen much. But when I do, it, it makes me feel terrible. I tell people all the time, it's like leaving the house without brushing my teeth. It's like walking outside and going to work in my pajamas. It's just embarrassing. I just feel terrible. Every day I want to spend time with God. I don't want to forget what he's done and that he's present in my life. What has produced this marvelous change in my life and in so many others that are born again so that we can now be glad in God? It is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like all other blessings, this joy comes to us through Him and Him only. And the seventh blessing enjoyed by being justified is found in the words we have now received, reconciliation. We have now received Reconciliation. Reconciliation refers to the establishment of harmony between God and man through the sacrificial work of Jesus. The entrance of sin had brought estrangement, alienation, and enmity between man and God. But by putting away sin which had caused the alienation, the Lord Jesus restored us who believe in Him to a state of harmony with God the Father. We need to understand that God did not need to be reconciled. It was us that needed to be reconciled because he was in enmity because we rather are in enmity with God. Our reconciliation is established on the foundation of Christ's finished work and now right now we are being saved by our risen savior. His fellowship, his counsel and his gift of of the present flow from the promised Word of God. He is with us daily in fellowship. He constantly gives us counsel through the Holy Spirit and His gift of the presence flow that is constantly cleansing us through the Word of God. With, with the exercise of our gifts and the rec- recognition of our call in everything that we do, God receives glory from our lives. When we're living for Him, when we're putting our gifts to work for Him, when we're praising Him, even in the midst of trials and tribulations, God receives glory from our lives. Isn't that great? God loves us so much and he tells us that, that that here in Romans chapter five, and we'll we'll cover the rest of it next week. That we have this hope, we have this confident expectation, we have these practical benefits through being justified. These blessings that he has given us to to, to walk them out. Man, thank God that we have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. That we have access to his favor. That we have hope in him only. That we can glory in tribulation and in, in everything that we do. That we can, um, that that we can, excuse me, I'm losing my voice. That we are eternally secure in Christ Jesus, and that we receive uh, deliverance from His wrath, and, and this preservation of the resurrection life. That we can rejoice in God through Jesus Christ to be reconciled. Praise God, praise God! What a great word to know these things. I hope you enjoy these podcasts. I hope that you're reading it along with us. I hope you're praying and asking God to reveal Himself to you in a mighty way. Father, I thank You for all those that listen. I pray that You bless them each and every one. I pray that their ears were open to hear, their eyes were open to see, their hearts were open to receive the truth of Your Word. And Father, we'll always give You praise, glory, and honor for it because You alone are worthy of the praise. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you and thank you for listening. If you do not have a home church, we would love for you to visit us right here at Life Church, 100 Todd Road in Perry, Georgia. Have a great week.